I am so grateful <clears throat> for the grace of God. Receiving what we don't deserve. Instead of death and separation, we receive forgiveness and eternal life. I was listening to a worship song just a minute ago and just, you know, by myself in this room, just bringing me to tears and just hearing the, these lyrics like how deep and rich the father's love that he would make a wretch his treasure. The son's wounds have paid my ransom and, and how true that is. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and, and pray and, and we'll go ahead and read the scripture and get in the message this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you again. Lord, thank you just for your never-ending love. Thank you that you didn't despise us. Lord, you even sent your son Jesus Christ and he he did despise he didn't despise the shame, but he just allowed himself to take that place upon uh, that wooden beam and 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 be that sin offering for us that we would have the opportunity to be right with you. And so I just thank you of that never-ending message of love and mercy and grace and us being saved from your wrath by the blood of your son Jesus Christ how how rich and true that is and and just how live and vibrant it is every day we wake up every day that we live to just have that in our hearts to know that it's you who loved us first and you sustain us and through the thick and thin through the highs and lows you're always there so father i thank you I praise you for who you are, for what you do for us, and just for the fact that you are the only who is true and righteous and holy. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So we will be reading in Acts chapter 13 this morning, uh, verses 38 through 43. We'll be concluding uh, Paul's sermon to the Jews and the Jewish converts in the synagogue. Uh, and I entitled this message, Remaining in Christ, and uh, you'll see exactly why that is after we read these verses. So we'll start in verse 38, and it says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is free from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. Verse 42, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them by the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And that's just a beautiful uh, portion of Scripture that just... Uh, gives a clear understanding again of what Jesus did. What did he save us from? The warning of what we should be watching out for if we don't receive Christ and an encouragement to continue on in his grace. And so as we conclude, conclude Paul's sermon, again, we will learn of the Lord's constant encouragement towards his creation. Uh, the three main points that we will focus on this morning is 
Number one, Jesus Christ provides what the law cannot and could never provide. This is a principle that you and I can never overstate. No one can work their way to heaven. Our best intentions are not enough. We could never perfectly keep the law. That is why it's so amazing that God still provided a way out. And he provided the way out through the blood sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's just amazing to understand and just to know that, you know, we're not perfect anyways, but we strive to be perfect. We try to be perfect, but we we can't never be perfect and we don't have to be. The Lord understands that we have flaws and failings, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sins, past, present, and future. Disclaimer, that doesn't mean go out and just willfully sin. Hopefully we all know that. But uh, it's the fact that he knows that, you know, we will stumble at times, but it's the blood of Christ that uh, covers us and gives us uh, the ability to have uh, an outlet for the remission of sins that we desperately need. The second main point is, if we refuse the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he offers us, we ultimately will perish. We ultimately will perish. This is very important to understand because the natural man, every person, whether they're uh, saved or unsaved, just the natural man, human, humankind in its natural state, we all know that we will face a physical death, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we run from it, whether we try to, you know, make ourselves live, uh, uh, you know, 50 more years longer by doing all kind of crazy stuff to, to, you know, go back to this so-called fountain of youth. Many people are trying to, to find in all the, the different medicines and vitamins nowadays. The reality is no one can refute this. One day you're either going to be uh, you know, incinerated and your ashes are going to be put in an urn and they're going to stay on some mantle in, in one of your relatives' houses or they're going to sprinkle you, you know, uh, across one of the oceans, the Pacific Ocean if you're here in California, or, you know, you're going to be in a casket. But either way, your physical body will die. But see, the lie creeps in when people believe that there is nothing after this present life. And that's where that whole live your best life now, that that popular phrase comes into play. It's like, yeah, live your best life now because there's nothing next after this to come. But no, that is totally false and not true. If we refuse the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ offers, not only are we going to naturally perish physically, but we're also going to perish eternally. Our eternal state, our eternal soul will be separated from him forever. We won't be in peace, in unity with him. We'll be apart from him. And no one, no one, when it comes down to it on their deathbed wants that, whether they want to acknowledge that or not. And the third main point this morning is, whenever the word of God is shared, someone... will respond. At times we may question our you know our witness is 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 my witness even effective at all? Is what I'm sharing I, you know I don't see the I don't see the fruit maybe in 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 real time as it is. And we can get discouraged when we, when we don't see a great number of people responding the way we think they should. But we must always remember that the word of God 
never returns void. Amen. It will always accomplish its purpose. And and that's a big thing too. We have to remember we're just conduits. We are simply just messengers. We are simply just uh, witnesses. We don't cause a person to get saved. We don't we don't have the power to do that. That's not something we do. That's something that the Holy Spirit does in an individual's heart. And so that, that's a, just a side note. But uh, sometimes I tend to hear people say, oh, I got this person saved and I did this and I did that. And, and you know, what I truly believe and what the Lord, I believe, has revealed to me is that's not correct. That's incorrect theology because you don't save anyone. You are just called. I am just called to witness and share, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit in and upon that individual's life to cause conviction to come upon that person to for that individual to see the error in their ways and see the sin in their own lives and then they are given the ability to repent and respond to the gift of salvation that's offered to them freely let's go ahead and look at these first few verses so i'll go ahead and read again Acts chapter 13 verses 38 and 41 and we'll camp out here for a little bit because there's so much here. So it says, let it be known to you therefore brothers that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware therefore lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look at you scoffers by astounded, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. We see here the Apostle Paul is making a very profound statement. He shares a great promise and also an equally great warning. Yet another constant reminder. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, forgiveness is offered. Forgiveness is, is offered freely because of His sacrifice upon the cross at Calvary. God knows His creation, and He knows that we are, and that's why many times throughout Scripture we are you know, related to as wayward sheep, prone to wander away from the good shepherd. So we must constantly be reminded so we will not forget what has been done for us. We as believers must never allow God's grace to get old to us. I say that because sometimes people will say something like this, I, I I know this already. I know this. I know the concept. I know the principles of Scripture, and I don't need to hear it again because I already know that Jesus died for my sins, and 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 I don't want to. I don't need to keep hearing that. But the reality is, if you really look at it, we would all agree, right? That that God the Father, that the Triune God, right? Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, live outside of space and time. We are we humans are in the third dimensional world, but God lives outside of space and time. So because he's infinite and all knowing and living outside of space and time, how do we think that we could uh, hear enough about God? 
How can we think that, oh, I know enough about God just because I've heard this before? Because hearing and understanding and truly knowing in your heart are separate things. Just because you know it intellectually doesn't mean it's already went from your mind to your heart to your feet. You know, to where you're accurate, the way you live, the way you act, what you what you base your decisions on is based on this principle truth found in the Bible, the Holy Bible, you see. And so that's why we can never exasperate an infinite holy God with our, you know, limited, finite thinking. So we need to be grateful for the fact that he is revealing this infinite truth to us and he provides us with everything we need. Amen. We are justified from all things which the law of Moses could not justify us from. We need Jesus Christ. Without him, simply put, we are not justified. There is no justification without Jesus Christ and what he did for us, becoming that sin sacrifice. Not becoming sin, but becoming that sacrifice that would appease God the Father's wrath by allowing sin the sin of humanity to come upon him and him being that perfect lamb, that spotless lamb to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. Contrary to popular belief, God doesn't grade on a curve. Not like your junior high teacher, not like, you know, the the the, the football coach on the varsity team that likes you because, you know, your daddy's a booster. No, God doesn't grade on a curve. To think that he makes exceptions to the rules is ultimately to give glory to yourself and myself for our own salvation. Example, I was reminded earlier this week, I was listening to a message and and I was reminded how this battle is actually the Lord's. And we have to remember that because sometimes we get so steeped in our own life and our own situation of things that we're going through and we tend to try to fight this battle with our own wit, with our own understanding, with our own physical strength. And the Lord's just, you know, sitting back there like, son, daughter, this is my battle. Let me let me go before you. Let me fight this battle for you. As Jesus said, take my yoke upon me, uh, your uh, my yoke upon you, excuse me, because he knows that we can't bear to carry what he can bear to carry and it's it's his battle not ours we have to go to him in faith in prayer and 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 you know uh present these things to his feet and ask that he intercede on our behalf that is how we fight this battle uh by submitting to the lord and allowing him his mighty right hand his uh holiness to go before us and fight this battle for us you see it's all about glory this whole spiritual warfare that we are in the middle of living this physical life is all over glory. It's all over the glory of God. Remember, before we were created, Lucifer in heaven wanted God to ultimately share his glory. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. And what that translates to is Lucifer wanted his glory, wanted God the Father's glory. Glory, excuse me. This is what all the spiritual warfare, it manifests itself in the physical realm from the spiritual. This is what it's all about. Ultimately, who in the end will get the glory? Isaiah chapter 42 verse 8 is clear. The Lord will share his glory with no one. No one. That means no no created being as far as an angelic being, an angelic host, no, no uh, human, no other creation, nothing. The Lord will not share his glory with no one. 
It's not because he's a greedy God. It's because no other created thing is worthy of sharing his glory in that way. We couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't handle it. It's like you think of the people where that, you know, they've, you know, whether they've worked hard or whether they got it, uh, you know, and, and, and didn't sacrifice anything. Some people, for whatever reason, you give them too much attention, they start getting on the TV, they start having news cameras in front of them, and all of a sudden they change, they flip out, and they just, they start loving it, and they can't handle it. They can't humbly walk amongst people giving them all that attention because it's too much, right? That's the whole idea. We cannot handle it and it's not for us to have. God is the only one worthy of glory and praise. And so he is the only one who should be glorified and praised. We also know that we are saved by grace through faith. So no man can boast. You and I, we can't make it by pulling up our bootstraps and trying a little bit harder. But sadly, many still believe that they can earn God's favor and love. Instead of humbly accepting the free gift he offers, they work to earn it. We see this misguided understanding of earning God's love permeating all areas of human life. And this is just one example, but but it speaks greatly to this whole idea of trying to earn favor with either God or with other people. Just think of the countless number of kids who grow up neglected either by their mother or father or the lack of a mother or the lack of a father's love and they 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 come from a broken home. And 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 typically these children grow up to become adults who unbeknownst to them they're performance driven. They are you know, trying to be the first in their class. They're trying to be the best athlete they can be. They're trying to be, you know, the the, the best employee. And it's not wrong to, to do those things, but it's what is the motive behind it? Because when you peel back the onion layers, you will soon find out that underneath all this effort to strive to be great and be better than others is simply a person broken, crying out to be genuinely loved. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is willing to accept you, me, and them just as we are. But it has to be a willingness to come to him broken and say, Lord, take me as I am. Accept me as I am. Cry out to him and he will be the only one who will truly not push you away. He won't denounce you. He will accept you. He will, you know, take you in his fold. They just need to turn to him and submit their lives to him. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line for all of us. This topic of being justified by God's grace and not by the law was so necessary to share in Paul's day that in a very short time, as we'll see here after this sermon, he would write another letter to the churches in Galatia dealing with this same exact theme. How does this apply to our lives today? Well, the application is this. Daily, we must stay grounded, rooted in God's truth. We are simply lost without His grace, but with His grace, we are found hidden beneath the shadow of His wings. I love that. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me beneath the shadow of your wings. That's a beautiful verse. What a protective verse to, to just you know hide in your heart. But see, it doesn't stop there. It gets even better. 
Not only does Jesus Christ forgive us, but he also justifies us. You see, forgiveness takes care of the debt of sin that we owe. The fact that we could never repay that debt. Forgiveness, it takes care of the debt of sin. But justification puts a positive credit on our account before God. That's like when you owe whatever, chase X amount of money, you're late on your mortgage, this and that. You can't even repay it. There's The debt is crazy. It's one thing for someone to come and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay off your debt so you no longer are indebted to this this." you know bank institution but with Jesus it's, it's better than that that's like some that's like someone Jesus is like someone saying i'm not only going to pay off your uh your mortgage and, and and the loan you know your debt to the bank but i'm also going to accredit you funds so you're not just at a balance of zero not negative or positive but i'm going to put positive funds in your account for that bank for us spiritually that's what Jesus did Okay, he forgave us that paid for the debt that we could never repay, the debt of sin, but then his justification gives us a positive credit towards God the Father. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us, "Therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ." And see, that's that positive credit to your account and my account is that we are justified by faith. And now we have peace with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's either we have peace with God or we're at enmity enmity with Him and we are subject to His wrath and His judgment. And nobody wants that. In order for this to happen though, we need to be cooperating with God. We have to cooperate and that's where submission And obedience comes into play. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I didn't say we can earn our salvation, nor am I saying that we need to work for our salvation. We can't work for our salvation because it's a free gift given from God. But still, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So what does this actually mean? How do you work out your salvation with reverence and and trembling, understanding who God is? It simply means we need to live out our salvation. We must experience it. It has to go, I said this earlier, it has to go from our minds to our hearts to our feet. It can't just be an intellectual thing and it can't just be a heart thing. It has to cause us to move to act upon what we understand and what we know to be true it has to permeate and affect our day-to-day choices you see because it's not enough to say that you and i are christians but our lifestyle is not affected by god so we're not christian we say we're christians but a lot of the things we do we're willfully disobedient. We're willfully neglecting him. We're, we're willfully going in the opposite direction of what the principles in the Bible teach. That is not doing it the right way. That's not having everything affect our lifestyle, affect the way we live. Next, we see Paul issues a warning to his listeners. This is the equally great warning. He gives a great promise, but he also gives, like I said, a great warning to his listeners. The warning he shares is as true today as it was back then. 
if we fail to embrace the person and work of Jesus Christ with our whole lives, we are despisers who will perish. In this warning, Paul quotes a passage from Habakkuk, I'm not going to read it, regarding the judgment that will come upon Jerusalem. You can find that yourself in the book of Habakkuk. But the application is this. If God judged them back then, he will also judge those today who refuse and reject his offer of forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, Acts chapter 10 Verse 34 tells us that God is no respecter of persons, meaning he shows no favoritism. All are treated the same. We also know the Bible is clear that rain falls upon the just and the unjust. And he gives everybody the same ample opportunity to respond to the Gospels. And people refute that. You can find all about that in Romans. We don't have enough time to go into to that aspect of, of, of what all this means. But we know that creation reveals God's glory to people. And still, we refuse to see Him for who He is, even though we see the mountains and the birds and the sky and the oceans. And, you know, you can't just, you can't just wish it away. It's already there. Read Romans if you want to find out more about that. The reality is this. We must understand that even though God is a loving God, He still hates sin and He will not tolerate it. If we continue to think that we just have our get out of hell card and live however we choose, we will end up like the church of Laodicea and we will be vomited out of his mouth. Remember in the book of Revelation, it speaks about them and how uh, he wishes they were, they were either hot or cold, but they were somewhere in the middle. They were, they, were, they were lukewarm and because they didn't pick a side and they just lingered. It's like you're being saved, but yet you still want to dabble in all these things that are sinful and you haven't truly made the decision to, to truly follow him, to abandon everything and, and follow Jesus. Christ. He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That's a very vivid example of what will happen to those of us who choose to just be on the fence. Christianity, true Christianity, true followers of Christ cannot sit on the fence. You must decide. You must make a decisive decision. And in, and in this day of tolerance and 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 no, there's no absolute truth. There has to be an absolute. You have to decide in your own life, I am choosing to follow Christ for the remainder of my days or I'm not. It's as simple as that. Because when you say, I don't know, you're choosing no. You're choosing no. We need to pick a side. And the best thing to do is to choose to be with the Lord. Amen? Side note, I found... As I was studying this passage this week, that some commentators actually complained about Paul, about his preaching, that it was too much like Peter's preaching at Pentecost. And, you know, this might be a personal opinion, but I thought that this common comment was, was quite frankly, it was just silly and it was out of pocket. And it was just like, well, you know, that's why, you know, it, it's good to, 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 you know, research on, in commentaries and whatnot, but, but don't read the commentaries more than you read the word. You know, I, I believe the Lord can reveal the word to you from the word. You don't need all these extra study things. But again, understand that it's men who had written them. And, you know, our, our, our hope is that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit as they, you know, um, 
touched on more as they expounded upon the verses that these commentaries are 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 speaking of but nonetheless uh they can be flawed but the idea is this the lord revealed to me a few things in this statement that they said you know okay whatever it, paul's preaching was too much like peter's at pentecost well the first thing is paul and peter were preaching the same gospel and the main points would be the main points because they were always identified clearly and this is a good thing that's a good mark like if you go and you know you you visit you know before this shelter in place and you know you visit different churches you know if you're out of town you're out of state you know there should be principal core things that you hear that pastor sharing that you're sitting under for that sunday that line up with your home church and if it doesn't that means that something's off either your home church is off or they're off and you know you sh- there should be commonality across the board principal things baseline things you know that n- that need to be the same if we are teaching and preaching the same gospel the second point is it's not entertainment when we come to a church service it's not entertainment this is the house of god we live in the 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 country in the world that has the most entertainment all the time Everywhere you go, from Monday to Sunday, whether you're live there, whether you're watching it on TV, there's entertainment anywhere, everywhere. But this is not what it's about when you go to the house of God. This is you go to the house of God to one, give praise, honor, respect, and you offer a sacrifice to him, whether it be a physical monetary sacrifice or a sacrifice of praise from your lips or your actions, whatever. But you're going to worship and praise him and you're also going to hear the word of God taught and spoke. You see, but like these commentators that said that Paul's preaching was too much like Peter's, people we can easily begin to complain that we don't like this pastor or that pastor for a number of different reasons. Well, he doesn't do it like this or he doesn't do it the way I like to or or they, you know, they don't have enough worship songs in the beginning or or they don't, you know, they do the offering in the beginning when they should do it at the end. I mean, whatever the case may be, people come up with a myriad of things that they complain about that they nitpick about at a church service. But the reality is this, if the pastor you're sitting under or any other teaching that you're sitting under from a man of God is teaching the word of God explicitly, then you shouldn't complain. Whether you like the way it comes across or you don't. You see, that is the problem and the deception from Satan. That in the last days, many will have itching ears and they will not endure sound doctrine. People want to hear Jesus Christ and be entertained. Give me Jesus Christ and interpretive dancing with flags and all that going on during the service. Give me Jesus Christ and a light show on stage during worship. Honestly, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus Christ alone. That's that's all I need. I don't need any of the extra frills and fluff and all the other filler stuff. It's not it's not it's not lasting. It has no deep intrinsic value to it at all. We need Christ. We need the truth of Jesus Christ taught in our pulpits today. If hearing about Jesus over and over again, week in and week out, doesn't keep your attention and it bothers you, you need to repent. Don't let your heart 
wax cold. And I say that simply for that because there's nothing wrong with Christ. There's nothing wrong with the teachings of Christ. But it could be that your heart and your mind is not right. And so it's difficult for you to hear the name of Christ and the name of Christ glorified and lifted up. But it should always be praised for what he has done and what he continually does for you and I. Amen. The truth is, learning more about Jesus Christ every day should be the highlight of your day. The fact that you have moments where the Holy Spirit hits you. It was just like I was worshiping before I recorded this sermon. And, you know, I'm in the room by myself. Nobody's here. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not trying to entertain anybody. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And it wasn't an emotional thing. But I just broke down in tears because I truly understood and I recognized what the Lord has done for me and all I could do was cry out to him and just be grateful and thankful. And it's and it's in those moments where it's so clear to you that you understand the love of Christ and what he has saved you from. And not only that, how much favor he has put upon your life on the day to day basis that I mean, that is the highlight that makes everything else better. When your life is right with Jesus Christ, your relationship with your wife is going to be 10 times better. Your relationship with your children is going to be 10 times better. Your relationship with your family members is going to be 10 times better. Your relationship with your employer and even people you don't even know on the street that you run into wherever you're going, walking and all that, it's going to be 10 times better because you have a clear understanding of who Christ is. You see, that's what I mean by it has to permeate. He has to permeate every aspect and level of your life and my life. All right, let's go ahead and look at these last two verses and we'll close. Acts chapter 13, verses 42 and 43. And as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up. Many Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Here we see that the true preaching and teaching of God's word is never wasted and done in vain. The message of the gospel as it goes out will always accomplish its purpose. Here we see both Jews and Gentiles at this synagogue responding positively. The application for us as we look at this is clearly no matter what it looks like to your eyes or mine, if we are sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is and you and I are being obedient to him, you will bear good fruit in his time, according to his purpose, according to his will, for his plan, for those he is using you to impact. You see, for us, I believe we wrestle with the problem of numbers. That's a big thing in a lot of evangelical churches in the West. If your church building is packed wall to wall every Sunday, we deem that to be a success. But if the numbers are far and few or if they fluctuate, we tend to call it a failed or even a dead church. And that way of thinking is completely false. That form of thinking and perspective is incorrect. One, because we are instructed to be a witness and tell all about who Jesus Christ is. Two, we are called 
to be used by the Lord to raise up disciples. There is much more to raising up a disciple than mere church attendance. You see, don't get me wrong. Attending church service is great, but it's only the beginning. It's only the start. If all we do is attend church and we do nothing more than that and we don't grow deep roots, then all we are are people who sit in pews. If people aren't growing strong roots in Jesus Christ, then it doesn't really matter how many or how few people you see on Sundays. You see, it's more important to see believers grow in their sanctification in the Lord. And truly, you gauge that growth by how we love one another. The application is this. The Bible is clear that the world would know His church and Him by how we, the church, love one another. They will know you by how you love one another. They will know the Lord is with us by the way we interact with one another as the church. Lastly, we see that these men of God, Paul and Barnabas, continued to encourage those seeking out Jesus Christ, and they urged them to continue on in the grace of God. You see, God wants grace to remain as the foundation of our lives in Him. And that grace comes from Jesus Christ. That grace comes from the fact that He's giving us what we don't deserve. And the other hand of that, of that, excuse me, is the mercy. He's withholding what we do deserve. He's withholding that wrath and that death that should ultimately come upon us because of our wayward nature and our sinful beings. But instead, He gives us mercy. He, excuse me, He gives us grace. He gives us justification in the sight of God the Father. And we must never leave that. We must never allow His grace to leave us. Grace is the basic principle of our relationship with God. Far too many people tend to look at grace as only an introduction to Jesus Christ. Meaning, okay, I've been saved, I've repented, I've been baptized, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and now I'm just going to do my own thing because I know I'm saved and it's all good and I'm going to just do whatever I want. But that is an incorrect understanding of what Paul is talking about and ultimately what the scriptures, what Jesus Christ, what God the Father and the Holy Spirit are talking about in here. It's talking about understanding that continue in His grace. Let His grace grow in you, right? Grow to the point where you're, you know, you're seeing your life really being changed and transformed by the love of Christ. And you, and, you, and you can come to a point where you actually love your neighbors. And you can come to a point where you actually don't want to lord power over people. But you want to humbly, if you're put in some uh, you know, level of, of authority or position, that you want to do it in a gracious, in a graceful way. You want to do it in a way that's going to be uplifting to people, not not tearing people down or not prancing around like you're better than them. See, and this all stems from the grace of God, right? We are never to outgrow our grace, the grace of God. We are to continue to grow in His grace and allow Him to shape and cultivate our lives for His good pleasure and for His glory. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, 
Help us to be still before you and to acknowledge you, to, to acknowledge that you are true and holy and righteous and mighty, that we need you more than ever in our lives today. Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice now would have a strong desire to want to grow in you more, to want to grow in your grace, Lord, to want to experience this, to to truly experience the forgiveness that you've given to them, that you offered them, to the to experience the justification, Lord, that 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 credit to to their account, to my account that we know that we are in the positive with you because of what Jesus Christ has done and that you want to do a mighty work in and through our lives, Father, that you want to touch those around us, that you want the love of Jesus to be shared with those around us. Lord, help us to have a true understanding of Scripture. Help us to rightfully divide your word that we would not take Scripture out of context to make it say what we want it to say, but we clearly see it for what it is. Lord, and if there are those that are listening now that are feeling the conviction, Lord, coming upon them, Lord, praise you for that. Praise you for that because you chasten those who are yours. You will discipline those that are your children. And and, and conviction is a good thing. It's very not good when we never feel convicted and we feel like we're okay all the time and we just, you know eat the cracker and drink the juice and we don't feel you know we don't feel nothing at all that should never be the case there should be an allowing you to to examine our hearts and point out the things lord knows you point out things to me on a daily basis of of what you're not pleased with with me and things that need to change in my heart so i know that there are things in our hearts that you would like to change lord and i thank you that father ultimately we we have the glory and the victory, not the glory, but we have the victory, Lord, in you. And we give you glory, rather. We give you glory and honor and praise because of what you've done for us. So, Father, take this day and have it be what you would have it to be. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Show us how we could fall in line in the army of God and do the things that you've called us to do. Grow us up to be strong Christians in Christ, not to be weak Christians that fall and flounder and are tossed around like a wave and don't understand what the true doctrine is of your word. Help us to know and believe it and to share it in love with those around us. Help us to share it by the way we live, the way we act. So when we open our mouths and speak, people recognize that's a godly man, that's a godly woman. I want to know their God more. Father, we thank you and we praise you. May we bless and honor your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.